to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and as always, I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> just sorry. Just we had a normal one planned for the week. <laughs> Like, we had a stupid fandom drama, stupid dumb creator sticking their stupid dumb foot in their mouth. And we just, you know, it was really low stakes. <laughs> That's what we had planned. Anyway, and then we have to deal with what I think is, like, the first confirmed ever furry murder? I think? It's the first, I think. Anyway, that's what we're talking about this episode. We're talking about the, the shooting in uh, Portland. Where a neo-fascist furry <laughs> shot someone to fucking death in the streets. Yeah! <laughs> and, uh-huh. like, I'm not saying furry to, like, throw furries under the bus. Like, I think their involvement in furry fandom was was part of their road to fascism. And that is something that's happening in all fandom spaces with uh, purity politics in general. Because... Standards of purity, politics of purity, invariably lead to fascism. It is, like, the logical conclusion of the concept of purity. So we'll get into all that. I just wanted y'all to know that we were supposed to do... This one was supposed to be silly. We did not have big plans. I didn't have big plans. No big plans. (laughs) And that, man, remember when the furry murder was the worst thing that happened this week? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Remember when the furry murder in Portland was the worst thing that had happened in the the last week of February 2022? Now there's a fucking goddamn invasion in Eastern Europe, and people are dying, and I can't do anything about it. So anyway, does anybody have a happy for anyway, the <laughs> Fandom or whatever? Like... Like pretend things on on the screens and the yeah. I have to keep making jokes or I will cry. So we will continue trucking on with this fun silly times podcast in which we talk yes. about furry murder. In which we talk about murder and <laughs> sex crimes almost all of the time. Yep. We're turning into last podcast. Almost the all last. of the time it's murder and sex crimes. And Man, I just want to talk. I just want to fuck. Ah, whatever. I just wanted this to talk how... about Marvel movie releases, man. Yeah, and talk about the new Pokemans. New Pokemon are out. Yeah. New the, the Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild 2. That looks great. But no. And I'm like so hype about Sonic. Oh, Sonic. I'm glad for you, <laughs> I guess. Fire Dino! Yay, Pokemon! Like, man, I wish we could do a whole episode on the fucking Pokemon designs. And and that that would be an hour, man, just talking about Pokemon we like, Pokemon we don't like, <laughs> which Pokemon are better than other Pokemon, which designs are better, which designs are the worst. I think this, this podcast is how I am processing the loss of fandom as a social group that i used to have yeah like a little bit because fandom used to be well i mean it still is a nerdy thing the problem is is that nerdy things are now mainstream (laughs) well and i mean fandom certainly used to be a secret and now it's being talked about on the new york times podcast and in interviews on the daily dot like nerdy things are now cool nerdy things are now like billion dollar movie franchises that you shape careers and studios and tentpoles around god damn it you can play a superhero in the right movie and that's that's your next 10 years locked up so fine no i'm not i'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing i'm just saying that when i was in fandom originally as a teenager as a young teenager even it was very dweeby in a way that wasn't like oh yeah or interesting (laughs) to people yeah who weren't into it like I am not that old, and I remember a time where liking comic books was grounds to get beat up. Oh, or sure. liking anime. Oh, liking God, fucking yeah. anime was grounds you had to your... get robbed. <laughs> I 100% wore a Sailor Moon shirt to school one time, and kids threw trash at me. Yeah! Yeah! Like, fully. 
Like, I and yeah. we we are not that old. Like I learned there was this there was this hit tweet that was going around Twitter this weekend about how there is basically a micro generation. I've heard it I've heard this theory before called the young millennials, but basically born between 1987 and 1992, which we all mm. fit into by the way, mm-hmm. where you both you simultaneously grew up with and without the internet. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You simultaneously grew up with and without the internet. You grew up with and without cell phones, with and without smartphones even. Never mind regular mm-hmm. fucking cell phones. Uh, you grew up before and after 9-11. You grew up before and after social media. You grew up before and after this kind of, like, you know, scary, scary conservative words, globalism, mm-hmm. had happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, you kind of have a foot in both camps or graves, if you will. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, because like, the thing is, is I have a lot of friends who are three to five to seven years older than me. And I get along with them really well. And they're like some of my like ride or die friend groups. And I feel like we just really click on a level that I don't click with other people. Meanwhile, talking to someone three to five years younger than me is like talking to a Martian sometimes. Yeah. Like it's just that different how young you were when the internet hit. Mm-hmm. And how much it fucking changed your life and changed the society that we live in and changed the way that we operate and socialize and grow up and consume TMCR. Well, and that's that's also a thing that kind of is interesting that I was talking about while you were here, Bliss. But, like, I made my own merch for Tenchi Muyo when I was, when I was 9 or 10. I made a bracelet that had Tenchi's name in it. And like that that was my that That's was That's how thing. you had to be. That's what fandom I'm fucking not... was. Exactly. Yeah. But like when you came over, you you had this cute little My Hero Academia sweater that you bought at Walmart. <laughs> I know. You and can I... buy it at Walmart. <laughs> like, and like I, need, I... I can't I literally can't comprehend that as a person. I need people just even a little bit younger than me, like five, six, seven years younger than me, to to know, to realize that the concept of being able, able to walk into Walmart and buy a t-shirt with your favorite anime character on it is foreign to me. Even, <laughs> even going into Hot Topic... Yes. It was not. Oh, yeah. You it, had like you had one store in the early to mid two thousands, even late two thousands. You had one store. It was Hot Topic, and you had three anime to choose from, mm-hmm. and it was like Inuyasha, mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist, yep. and like Vampire Hunter D. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I only liked one of those, uh, and like, and it was just it's 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 wild to me because like even now I had a friend go into. Uh, Go into Hot Topic just to like see. <laughs> they were just like they were just like this is wild. So just to lose. <laughs> it was Ryan. Someone should see this. It was it was it was a friend of all of ours, friend of the show. Yeah, mm. friend of the show went in and like took a photo because there was a T-shirt with L from Death Note on it, and she sent it to me. And that was, like, was the other one. And said it to me and was like, what the fuck? Like, this was not a thing. Because when Death Note... This is gonna sound weird. When Death Note was popular, it wasn't popular. (laughs) Um, But... But, like, when when it was coming out, like, maybe... 12 people in my in my life knew about it and eight of those people liked it and it just it was it's wild to me that like now I can I can buy a t-shirt with my favorite teenager at Walmart the favorite stupid fire fire ice teenager boy <laughs> you shouldn't say it like that maybe. I, I i do on purpose because I, I think it's funny but i just i it took me your your living girlfriend <laughs> a couple seconds to realize that you were talking about one of the superheroes from my hero academia i don't talk to you about the teenager show <laughs> but like and also like the the shirts or the merch you could buy like they were not good they no were they ugly. were ugly like, 
the sweaters you had, they were like nicely designed. They were cute. They had a cool color scheme. And the things you could get at Hot, to- at Hot Topic, it was like the one extra like, large. standard standard character art. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like a cool pose or anything. It was like the standard character art that appeared on everything. And it was in the center of the shirt on a on a black t-shirt mm-hmm. and maybe had the title on it the title of the series and that was it man unisex that's shirt. what you got unisex shirt no cute cuts that was it and it only came in sizes you didn't wear mm-hmm. and like i had i i loved full metal alchemist so much i bought the shirt <laughs> because i i loved that show yeah, so 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 raining it back in a bit. Right, um, that <laughs> resonated with me anyway. That tweet about how there is this brief window of time of being young before the internet, before smartphones, before social media, and then being a young adult during and after social media and the internet and all that, and how that experience is really narrow. And hard to relate to people who come too far before or too far after that. So that's what I mean when I say, like, I remember when fandom was dweeby and not cool. And, like, could get you... Like, if you were enough of a nerd, you might be mugged. Not even being mugged and beat up, but just... People did not care. Yeah. yeah. Like, you would be like, oh, man, I watched this show... And people are like, what the fuck do I care about TV you watch? Mm-hmm. And like, and I, I'm i still surrounded by those people. I don't <laughs> know how these like 15 year olds are like, I talk with my mom about, about my the anime. anime I watch. But, but like, I remember as a kid talking to my mom about Pokemon and my mom literally cut me off and went, Kelty, this doesn't matter to real people. <laughs> God, your parents are fucking brutal. Real people, she said to her tiny child. (laughs) And like that, that resonated with me. That shaped you. Yeah, you can tell. Like, it it just, it's interesting to me. Or like. Well, no, go ahead. No, just, just how, like, it's still, like, I enjoyed it. Uh, but it's still a little weird to me how, like, people would sit around, like, the water cooler and talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah. A high fantasy television series that became the biggest thing the world has ever seen before it crashed and burned horribly in its own bodily wreckage. Yeah. Forgetting for a moment that it ended badly, or even forgetting for a moment that it was even good. Like, even <laughs> even if it was garbage from start to finish, even if the show was terrible from start to finish, which I know is what, like, the edgy take nowadays, mm-hmm. um, the fact that grown fucking adults would watch the dragon TV show with the with the zombies and the dragons and the magic and the words like Daenerys Targaryen mm-hmm. and then come into work the next day and like debate animatedly with their fucking normcore friends about what was going to happen on the dragon show next week like i can't communicate to someone who lived before a time like this, how alien that is. Mm-hmm. Like, that sort of thing happened only <laughs> for sitcoms when yep. I was a kid. That Desperate was like Housewives. Seinfeld and Friends territory. Like, international phenom-type television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, which were about five to six people living in New York. Like, it was very basic, (laughs) accessible television. It was just five to six people living in New York getting into goofs and hijinks. But, yeah, like, I can think of, like, the Friends finale, the Seinfeld finale, shows that are about very accessible topics. Uh Will I get married? You know, will I get the job that I want? Will I, you know, a white New Yorker in the 90s succeed the way that white New Yorkers in the 90s are meant to succeed? Mm-hmm. Heterosexual New Yorkers at that. <laughs> and so, like, if you had told me, like, okay, whatever, like, 20, 2003, 2002, Friends Ends or something? Maybe even later than that. I have no recollection. Okay. Early 2000s, Friends Ends. <sighs> if you had told me in, like, seven years, the new Friends 
is gonna be a fucking HBO fantasy series about dragons and dumb made-up words and magical swords and lost princes. Like, I was 14 and I would not have believed you. (laughs) Yeah. No, I want, more than anything, when time machines become available to meet myself coming out of the theater the day that I played hooky with my friend and went to go see Spider-Man 3 and I want to explain Avengers Endgame (laughs) and I want to be like and up until the last like scene you're gonna love it and I want her to just punch me in the face Mm -hmm. because I know that that's how I would feel because Spider-Man 3 made me very sad because <laughs> it was a very bad movie and I love Spider-Man. But like, it just, it's wild. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize how wild it is. And that's why we're here today. So anyway, um, okay. So because fandom was like super ostracized when I was a kid, yet... I was I was a nerd and I had interests in these in these geeky things and these fantasy stories and these weird TV shows and so on and so forth. I was still drawn to them. So the people I found in fandom were were likewise very like socially outcast, often marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Um and again, I want to be very fucking clear, not marginalized because we liked weird geeky media. Just often already marginalized people mm-hmm. find themselves drawn to weird things in media, in narratives, in art, what have you. Yeah, there's a reason I didn't fucking connect with friends who yeah. would have fucking thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people that I met in fandom, whether it was in person or it was online, those were like very like deeply forged connections. Because you met over something that was that you were passionate about, you were both passionate about, and you didn't really have anyone else to talk to about it. And quickly, you could that like passion could turn into like a friendship based on all sorts of shared interests and you know personality traits and so on. So I I miss that. I miss when fandom was a small group of mostly like-minded people. I miss when fandom was like quality over quantity. Let's say yeah. I miss when it yeah. I miss being able to have more in-depth connections with fewer people about a little bit whatever a fucking <laughs> book or a weird anime or you know even music like just like strange weird music i read um bliss got me the book uh tori amos bootleg webbering which is the second in the remember the internet series the first of which was tumblr porn that we covered and it's it's all about music fandom basically in the like mid 90s and like just having that shared passion about something obscure something that not everyone else gets or even knows about was was powerful when you mm-hmm. were when you were especially when you were a teenager and you were like forging your own identity for the first time and i would much rather have that than have everyone in the fucking world know what fan fiction is or know like what Nar- the naruto run is yeah, and oh make it God. a meme you know yeah. because now it just feels like talking about friends like it feels if... like talking about the weather even it doesn't even feel like talking about friends because like i if someone else likes friends the tv show friends fucking i don't have anything in common with that person like that person is is as much a stranger to me than if they if they did like friends <laughs> but so that's what I miss. I miss when there was this understanding in fandom that we were all outcasts and we were all ostracized yeah. and we should be kind to one another while we discuss our dumb dweeby bullshit. And, and like, definitely there were people who were not. Definitely oh, there yeah. were still the Star Wars dude bros. I don't want to paint this as like a utopic uh, romanticization of what fandom history was like. There was a lot of problems. There were there were some predators. There was, you know, yeah. the old the old fashioned isms that we all had to contend with. They were I'm not trying to erase any of that. I'm just saying that from my personal experience, it was more easy to make friends on 
the shared assumption that we liked this one thing, so we must have other stuff in common. Um, so, remember how we've been talking a lot about how, uh, anti-ism, meaning, like, anti-shippers in fandom and the like, they sure say a lot of things that kind of sound fashy. Do, know Do we that. all remember that? I remember every day of my goddamn that. life. We've been saying we've, we've, we've been saying it for a while, but we've been saying it on the show for a while. Yep. A little bit. Like yep, I'm yep. Gonna, we've had a year now. We're it's basically we're a, a slogan a for the show. Yeah. Uh, because it used to be, you know, the premise of fandom was that none of it was real. You were all excited about something that didn't really exist, man. It was just a story. It was just a TV show. It was just a movie. And sort of one of the major conceits of fiction is that when things happen in fiction, it's not the same as them happening in real life. Can we at least mm-hmm. agree on that? Like I, I will everybody even, in this room can. I know. I'm I'm talking to some hypothetical listener. <laughs> I see that <laughs> that might be out there being like, well, I think that fiction affects reality. <laughs> Friend of the saying, show, aunties. Yeah, I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm not saying that fiction doesn't affect reality. I'm just saying that fiction and reality are not the same. Someone being killed in a story <laughs> is different than someone being killed in real life. That's my f- that's my starting premise. That's that's axiom 1 on Kendra's philosophy of the fictitious. I'm here. Anyway, I'm, I'm still with you. <laughs> uh, lately, although it's not even that lately anymore. It's going on like five, six, seven years now of this sort of rhetoric where there are people whose prevailing attitude is, well, actually, when someone is killed in fiction, in a story, or when something bad happens to someone in a story, not even if something questionable happens to someone in a story, that is the same <laughs> as someone as something happening to someone in reality. It is, in fact, just as bad to have a character be sexually abused than it is for a real person to be sexually abused. It is, in fact, as bad for a fictional character to be murdered than it is for a real person to be murdered. And that is an attitude that has grown and grown and grown in the last gonna say five years of fandom it (laughs) coincides with this like crazy outpouring of like new capital c criticism that developed on tumblr not all of which is bad by any means i think tumblr taught a lot of young people how to capital T, capital C, think critically about media. In a good way, in a constructive way, in a positive way. Thinking critically, of course, not meaning being critical of something as in it's bad, but being able to analyze uh, media in a way perhaps a little deeper than I like this one and I don't like that one. Mm. And then a lot of that, a lot of those people also didn't do it super well. They also didn't learn to think critically super well. They kind of took this premise of like stories can mean something. Fiction can mean stuff in real life. Not just in the fictional world, but a, a story, a narrative, a movie, a show, a book can mean something, big air quotes, in reality, and then they just stopped fucking listening, and they took the fuck off, and that's kind of been growing unchecked in this weird pseudo-academic world of social media, because there's nothing intellectually rigorous about, like, the anti's beliefs, or, um, not even cohesive about their, like, ideology. It is, it is an ideology of destruction. It is, like, a tool of moral judgment, but it's not even really a moral judgment because a moral judgment has to be internally consistent and academically rigorous, and theirs is not. Uh. So it's really just a method of control, a method of social control. And it's really fashy because most methods of social control 
pretty fashy. Deciding which behaviors are correct and good and which ones are degenerate, pretty fashy. I am tempted to to start just reading Umberto Eco's or fascism. Oh my god, oh my god. Uh, I, so I could sit here and list the 14 tenets of fascism that Umberto Eco wrote, and I could do a whole last episode on it, but that's not what we're doing here today, so just please go on. I fully support you. <laughs> <laughs> you can! Uh, because Umberto Eco's or fascism is a indispensable text when talking about fascism uh, removed from any one culture or nation, Umberto Eco experienced Italian fascism during the Second World War under Mussolini. But fascism, capital F, like, it can exist in any nation. It can exist in any culture. The specific trappings of Italian fascism are not the same as, like, you know, as they were in Germany or as they're appearing in America right now. But the core ideology is there, and the core ideology of fascism is internally consistent. And, Bliss, feel free to bring up quotes whenever you like, but the method of social policing that these people feel is justified through their weird Frankenstein critique theory of morality of fiction equals morality of the consumer, question mark. Like, again anti-ideology just becomes whatever they need it to become in order to destroy a person they don't like. But one of the basic tenets is that if you read or consume something questionable in, like, let's say American Psycho. That's a pretty, that's a pretty standard example that most people know of. American Psycho is a novel and movie about a New York yuppie in the 80s this this culture all about just capitalist growth and consumption who basically murders and dismembers women a lot because the thesis of the book and film is that the goals of capitalism are sociopathic uh the the sort of person who thrives under pure capitalism the sort of which was venerated in the mid and late 80s, the sort of person who succeeds in that kind of society is a murderer, <laughs> is, is just a freaky fucking cutthroat maniac who is maybe not quite in touch, in, in touch with reality and sees the suffering and pain of others as amusement to them. So that's like the thesis of the book. The main text, like the main bulk of the movie and book, uh... It's a lot of fucking brutal murder. And even though it's making a point that, you know, this this is the sort of logical extreme of of our of our societal values right now, and it's bad, by the way, this is not something we should want to emulate. Mm. There is still a lot of just full-blown over-the-top murder. So you could you could even argue that it's exploitative. I know some people have tried, I don't agree. Um, but whether it's exploitative or not. The conceit of the ante is that merely by consuming and enjoying a novel or book that is about just wanton, gleeful murder and mayhem and violence and dismemberment means that you think that's okay in real life. You're the sort of person who thinks that murder and mayhem and violence is okay in real life. And because we take away the rights of murderers in real life, we can take away your rights. You're in fact bad. Not only are you bad, you are like subhuman. You are an okay target. You are an accessible target for us to like morally execute. Cause that's like the goal of anti-ism is to like chase people into social death, sometimes actual death. By the way, um, there have been a few suicides related to anti-bullying harassment. Yep. That's a weird thing to say. Related to bullying and harassment done by antis. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few attempts as well. Now a few bomb threats, a few terroristic threats, so on and so forth. So what I am trying to establish before we start talking about the furry murderer is that... 
if you were to tell the average auntie on Twitter or TikTok where they all live that your beliefs here are actually kind of fascistic, they recreate a lot of the values and mechanisms of fascism, they would kind of scoff and be taken aback and be like, I can't be a fascist. I'm gay. (laughs) Which they often do. I mean, I'd be happy to introduce them to Ernst Rome. (laughs) I, uh, yeah. Um, So they think that, you know, because they're gay or genderqueer or whatever, some variation of queer, some variation of neuroatypical, some variation of disabled, some variation of subjugated, that they can't possibly be repeating fascist talking points because that would be like I was trying to oppress myself. Checkmate, atheists. And it's hard to explain to someone who thinks that they are impervious to fascism and to fascist ideology that they are repeating fascist values mm-hmm. and mechanisms uh, in fandom of all dumbass things. Uh, but it works because, like I said, uh, fandom is mainstream now. Fandom is what the youngs do. And this one I don't even necessarily think is like super insidious. I don't think there's like some like QAnon mastermind like wringing their hands while they look at, you know, their TikTok screen and are like, yes, the children, the children are falling for it. <laughs> like, I think this is largely self-driven. Yeah. Um, because a lot of natural human impulses lean toward just getting everyone to do what I want. Uh, if everyone just did what I wanted... Society would be so much better. And that's a fascist impulse. Mm-hmm. There is, there, because we live in the woke era, I guess, where like things like Me Too and Black Lives Matter and trans rights are all like center stage social issues in the way that they were not 10 years ago, even. Because we live, I guess, in a, in a woker time, which is not bad. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying that. I think a lot of young people who just sort of have this self-image as a progressive or as a leftist think that a lot of their just instinctual political impulses are progressive mm-hmm. or are leftist or are anti-capitalist, anti-fascist. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. A lot of just instinctual, unchecked human impulses are are bad. Yeah. <laughs> just just whatever, but because people just have this, uh, well, young people, I should say, some old people too, um, have this just identity, this self-image of themselves as being progressive, as being, you know, anti-fascist, that means that anything I just impulsively want must also be anti-fascist and that's not true a lot of politics is work a lot of politics is rigorous examination of your impulses and Mm. which ones are good and which ones are bad and then changing when you've discovered what some impulses you have that are bad i can't underscore that one enough that real political praxis starts with you changing your opinions when they're wrong. So, uh, there is fascist undercurrents in fandom. In all fandoms. And a lot of them I don't think are... Yeah, I don't think there's there's some, like, puppet master pulling the strings, kind of trying to hurdle the children toward the alt-right. But, uh, a lot of people are forming alt-right ideologies that just have, like, a little gay hat on them. That are like, oh, fascism, but for the gays, you know? Mm -hmm. We'll do it right. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, and that is obviously a slope to actual fascism and alt-right beliefs, which is what happened with our, with our, with our main character this evening. Um, (laughs) so I'm going to run down the, the, uh, the events. They're kind of patchworky, uh, because the Portland PD are, are is a fucking clown show. And they don't, uh, they're not very good. They're not very good at their job of being policemen. And a lot of the information, uh, a lot of the information that was initially released about this crime, about this murder that happened, uh, in broad fucking daylight was bad and wrong. So I'm hopefully, 
I have covered, I have gotten all the things that the Portland PD got wrong about in their initial press releases and uh, will correct them. If I didn't, sorry, I am actually not a full-time investigative journalist. I would love to be. Please donate to my Patreon. Um, so, so let's start at the very beginning. On February 2nd, apparently, uh, Amir Locke was killed in Minneapolis by police, an African-American man, when uh, the police were conducting a no-knock warrant. That is why there were protests happening in Portland on the night of February 22nd. Um, just, you know, general police violence protests. It sounds like Amir Locke was the latest murder victim at the hands of anti-black violence by the police. So, on Saturday night, there is a protest going on in Portland, the 19th. This was a week ago. For, for reasons that are still not entirely clear, uh, there was a guy named Benjamin Smith down around the Portland protests. He was initially described by police as a homeowner. He is not. I think this was an attempt by the Portland PD to lay a defense for him, like a stand-your-ground kind of defense, for the murder he committed. Benjamin Smith was not a homeowner, uh, certainly not residing at any home near or around where the murder happened. Any, any reports that describe him as a homeowner? False. Uh, Benjamin Smith is 43. For reasons that are not yet clear, at least to me, uh, in my following of this story, he got into a conflict with some of the protesters, had a gun, opened fire on the protesters, shot several people, and killed a 60-year-old woman named June Knightley. Knightley is down, is apparently a mainstay at these protests because she basically works as a volunteer trying to keep people safe, like directing traffic, uh, providing first aid, things like that. She is a mainstay at these sorts of events. Which is saying something in Portland because their protests have been going on for years now. <laughs> Which is saying something in Portland. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she was she was a, a known quantity down at these things. So, uh, not only did uh, Smith shoot and kill this woman, he also shot five people total. In court documents, one has been described as paralyzed. So, he's also critically injured some of, uh, some of these others that he's shot. He was subdued. Because a protester who was permitted to carry a weapon returned fire and shot Smith. And Smith has been in the hospital since. So there's the fabled good guy with a gun. They do exist, apparently. Okay, <laughs> fucking. So the person who shot Smith, the person who returned fire, remained at the scene, cooperated with investigators, and was released without charges. Apparently, while he was in the hospital, it took the Portland police a full day to place Smith under arrest. Because, again, my suspicion is that they were not going to arrest him. They were going to consider this a stand-your-ground case. I don't even know if Portland is a stand-your-ground state, but I'm sure they would have tried very hard to make the case that this was reasonable self-defense. Um, cool and good. <laughs> Oregon does not have a stand-your-ground law. Okay. Well, the guy who shot Smith... It was determined reasonable self-defense, justified self-defense, and he carried his weapon legally. So I'm assuming that they would have argued the same for Smith. Uh, I don't know who on the police force makes these decisions, but someone sure did. So yes, it takes them a day to charge him with murder. And then, and then, and then the other shoe drops. And then it turns out that Benjamin Smith is big ol' furry. Oh. He's potentially a diaper fur. Uh, I don't know if that's true. If it is, that is the least offensive thing about him. <laughs> Actual known murderer Benjamin Smith. That's one thing I've noticed is people are trying to be like, he's a furry. He's a diaper fur. He's a murderer. He is a psychotic <laughs> maniac who fired into a crowd of people, killed one woman, paralyzed someone else, shot three more people. There are so many worse things you can be than some weirdo with an animal fetish. Like, go nuts. Shit in all the diapers you want. This That is the least offensive thing that I have found out about this man. Um, apparently, 
He is a well-known alt-right figure in the furry community. I don't want to say well-known. He is a known alt-right figure (laughs) in the furry community. So much so that furries had tried for over a decade to kick him out of their communities. Both on the internet and local communities in Portland. Yeah, apparently it is not well known because the furry community is kind of insular and stigmatized. There are a lot of fascist furries out there. There are. There is a lot of ex-military furries, particularly. So apparently online in furry circles, uh, Ben Smith was known as Polybun, like a bunny, who's maybe polyamorous. I'm not sure if that's what the poly and polybun stands for. Kelsey is unable to contain her her guffaws of laughter. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's just, it's a bunny. Anyway, continue. Okay, so uh, I will just mention, uh, I will mention when I am reading tweets from a different person and all also that all of these tweets are of course not things I've said. They are things I have gathered from my research. So, someone who knew this person, Ben Smith, personally, wrote, uh, after the news of this broke, a decade ago, I had to throw Ben Smith slash Polybun out of my house during a party for trying to brandish a knife and threaten to stab someone just because they took his picture. He was that sort of unhinged, and it only got way worse since then. That was when I absolutely wanted nothing more to do with him. So, this person's been violent for a while. I'm not going to claim that, like, the furry fandom radicalized them. I don't know enough to make that claim about their particular history. I'm just saying that, like, there is an undercurrent of this sort of ideology, this sort of belief in all spaces of fandom. Even when fandom tries to expel them, they are not listened to. Yeah, so, uh, Ben Smith also turns out big fan of Andy Nyo, the maybe well-known, I don't know, it's well-known in fucking my circles, uh, well-known reporter slash alt-right stooge that apparently lives in Portland or has recently relocated to Portland and is covering the protests there, trying to, like, whip up fever that, like, Antifa is a, like, sleeper cell organization that's going to topple the government when the QAnon people already tried to do that. Andy Neo, last time I was che- last time I checked, trying real hard to not see any tweets that uh, reference uh, this guy. Uh, same person. Just to reiterate, for the furry part of my crowd, Portland local furry Polybun slash Ben Smith was the perpetrator of the mass shooting at a leftless related March event Saturday night that left one dead and five wounded. Rumors started coming around a couple hours ago that are confirmed. He was well-known as being alt-right adjacent with ties to hate groups. He was largely ostracized from the furry community and was a known problem locally. He was banned from both both of Oregon's furry conventions and other events. I've had personal dealings with him in the past and have seen his violent tendencies on display. I don't know anyone who personally liked him or wanted anything to do with him. I am not surprised to find out he did this. I am so sorry to all the victims of this tragedy. I am disgusted that independent journalists and furries are the ones breaking his identity uh, rather than the police. The Portland police still refuse to release any details. This was on February 21st. Some speculation is that they have his phone and know he has ties to hate groups. Sorry, the original tweet was a little misworded there. So, and know he has hate group ties. So they may be pursuing that. But regardless, the victims at least deserve to know. I will also state in no uncertain terms that the furry community is largely not tolerant, all caps, of this sort of scum. Bad people exist everywhere, and they are largely not tolerated by the furry community. This is not who we are. A lot of people locally have their own what-the-fuck horror stories of this guy. He was completely unhinged. Do, Do not believe any innocent spin authorities try to put on him. Anyone who knew him expected something like this would happen eventually. <laughs> this one is from, like, a news source, not, like, a local Portland furry guy. The Portland mass shooter has been identified as Ben Smith, 44. Uh, most outlets were reporting him as 43. Uh, don't know which is right, don't care. Uh, who has a history of violence and has vocally talked about killing Antifa and BLM 
protesters in the past. He became more radicalized over the last two years and is a fan of Andy Ngo. Uh, ben Smith is not a homeowner and the killing was politically motivated. Yeah, it was super weird. In the, like, Portland PD's press release, like, the first thing they said was that, like, the protesters got into an altercation with a homeowner. That was how they identified him. <laughs> Again, not the case. He was a part uh, of the furry community, which has a history of alt-right ties. Furries fall across the political spectrum, though. Reports that he sells ghost guns and is a gun fanatic. And then it uh, he links a, I guess, well-known Rolling Stone article called does the furry community have a nazi problem it do it does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben smith also followed andy Mio on youtube sources say that he was a big fan of Mio. it is unclear if ben smith knew about the march from andy Mio. Mio demonized them on as armed extremists that attack the public smith called victims terrorists before opening fire <sighs> good Yeah, Portland police made definitive statements about the Portland mass shooter that weren't important details, but do make the shooter look less culpable. That he was a homeowner, and that he didn't have political affiliations, both of these statements were wrong. Uh, Ben Smith goes by Polybun. He caught Furry's attentions for his anti-Semitism, Nazi sympathies, and desire for Proud Boys to do a mass shooting like he ended up carrying out. He was in a, quote, Free for all chats. Because it's a fur. The thing about furries is that their their culture is largely pun based. Yeah. I really I could get into it. Puns and sex. And the sex. And the crazy raucous sex orgies. Yes. Uh, and the puns. <laughs> yeah. It's Punk, yep. but just like dirty, filthy, just like <laughs> like Caligula would blush and vomit kind of sex. <laughs> Been there, yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ben Smith goes by Polybun. Yeah. Okay. Read all that. Yeah. He was in a for all chat. Oh, and was being called Nazi Con by anti-racist furries. That's not a really great. Uh, it's not a really great burn, anti-racist furries. It's kind of confusing. Nazi-con? Oh, Nazi-conservative, maybe? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Uh, important note. Furries have been working to kick Nazis and right-wing extremists out of their community for years, and this guy does not represent the furry community. That's nice of you, indie reporter on Twitter. Yeah! Way to go! <laughs> we need to acknowledge alt-right attempts to co-op and force their way into countercultures. Look at that guy. That guy said in fucking one sentence what I tried to say for an hour and a half. Yeah. Nyo is trying his best to demonize the victim, uh, a 60-year-old woman, of the mass shooting to make the shooter look like a victim. Uses misinformation straight from PPB. Don't know what PPB is. Luckily, I haven't lost that much of my soul yet. (laughs) Apparently, there is video of the shooting. Uh, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it even made it online. Hope not. That's Uh, Don't want to know. Don't want to see it. No. Alright, oh, and uh, I want to read, I guess, the police statement, uh, where they tried to correct themselves on a lot of things. Still saying things that are uncorroborated, but I'll just, I'll read their statement, uh, let it speak for themselves. The suspect in this shooting is identified as 43-year-old Benjamin Smith. Smith remains remains hospitalized in serious condition. Detectives are working closely with the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office to share facts and evidence for a review to determine potential charges against Smith. Uh, He was eventually charged with murder. People at the scene removed critical evidence before officers arrived. There is no evidence of this, but it's a claim the police are making. I guess so they have someone to blame when they inevitably fuck up the investigation. Investigators ask that uh, anyone with evidence, as well as video, please contact the police as these items are important to the investigation. Detectives would also like to speak with witnesses who left the scene without providing a statement, which could be useful in this case. Although the woman who died at the scene has been informally named by outside entities, the Portland Police Bureau will not formally release her identity until we have spoken with her family directly. So yeah, basically blaming the protesters for not cooperating with police and claiming they removed evidence? Which, I don't know why they're claiming that. They haven't provided any examples. Oh, and um, yeah, this was important to note. So, uh, the furries of the local Portland furry scene were trying to uh, let the police know that this person, Benjamin Smith, was a threat. Apparently, 
They got in contact with the police multiple times. This is a different person, the, whose tweets I'm quoting now. Quote, I've been saying that Polybun was going to kill people since 2007, and everyone who could do anything about it ignored me. Also, please understand that 99.9% of furries slash otherkin slash etc. are not aspirational domestic terrorists. That's pretty much a Polybun thing. Like, he used to join the IRC channel for my community and describe in substantial detail how he was going to go on a cross-country road trip, visiting and murdering all of us in ways that we would... and murdering us... murdering all of us in ways that we would suffer... Again, the original tweet is oddly worded, and outlining the extent of our suffering. To say that we got in touch with law enforcement would be an understatement. They didn't care. Portland Police Bureau never did anything about it after multiple people filed police reports for his docs slash death threat combos. It is unfortunate that the system did absolutely nothing to prevent an incident that was entirely preventable. Portland Police Bureau and the state of Oregon have been aware since at least 2007 that Polybun was an armed was armed and outlying horrific mass murder scenarios against those he disliked. Uh, so given that somebody is motivated to fantasize about murdering the devs of an open source project because a decision made outside of their control, no, it's not a surprise to me that he went and killed people. It was just a matter of time, honestly. What I do not understand is that some of the things he did, the feds got involved in them, investigated, and then did nothing. So yeah, that, so far, is the state of the furry murder. The community... The furry community that he was a part of tried for over a decade, it sounds like, to make law enforcement know about this lunatic in their group, and they did nothing, and then he killed a woman, and then they still tried to do nothing, until apparently it was very fucking clear that he was a he was an armed lunatic? I, I don't know what made them change their mind. Honestly, if they wanted to commit to the bit, just just Listen. say no. That that sixty year old woman had it coming. Yeah. Listen, I understand and have a lot of empathy for the furry community. They have a very stigmatized and niche hobby. But I think it is disingenuous to claim that ninety nine point nine nine percent of furries are totes chill and not radicalized, conservative, far-right fascists. Uh There is a serious problem in their community, much like there's a serious problem in a lot of fandom these days. And I personally think that the first step in doing something about that problem is admitting that there is a problem. I mean, for God's sake, a woman died, and the furry community in Portland knew that this person was dangerous. And yes, they did try to do something about it. I'm not denying that. But they're still going to claim that they don't represent furries. Which, yeah, they don't represent all furries, but they were certainly a part of that community. I understand that I'm getting a little heated, (laughs) but I just don't think that you can say that you don't have a problem in your community when it is laid directly at your feet. Can I, like, can I pose a theory, like, fully out of my asshole? I have no evidence for this. This is just me spitballing. So please call me on my shit if I'm wrong. Is it possible that, like, to them it is just another... The idea, at least at the beginning, at least at the start, before they are, like, truly radicalized, that the idea of, like, extremist ideologies is just another, like, fursona? At first, the point, the main, like, a lot of the main crux of the furry fandom, uh, and I am hugely simplifying here, uh, is that a lot of furries, in some way, have this image of themselves as a furry, as an anthropomorphic animal, what they usually describe as their fursona, in a way that kind of reveals some, like, inner personality traits about them. Like, the animal you choose for your fursona kind of is something meaningful to you for whatever reason, because you find that animal hot, or because you find that animal, like, cool-looking, or that animal represents, has some, like, you know, associations with it that you, that you, uh, resonate with you. Um, the colors, the, the accoutrements that your furry has, like... It's a lot like crafting a bit of an identity and crafting a bit of a suit, a false 
identity, an alter ego to, like, wear sometimes when you are part of furriness. Some people take it a little further. Some people say that their alter ego, their fursona, is them. That's how they really should and do look, like, on the inside, in their soul. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. I'm just saying that for the large percentage of furries that I've met, it is a, like, delineated separate part of their identity that they can, like, put on and take off as part of the furry Mm -hmm. community. Is it possible that, like, it starts as, like, looking at a Nazi uniform and being like, whoa, that looks cool. Doesn't really matter that it's evil, because, you know, it's just a costume, and it's all just costumes here on DeviantArt or whatever. And, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a reason that that this is this is specifically permeated in 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 furry fandom like not just kind of like fashy undertones that the antis have cuz the antis still revile like nazi imagery and stuff like that at least for now <laughs> but like in the furry fandom like we discussed earlier like sometimes these these conservative images like the confederate flag and nazi uniforms are just kind of seen as like another part of the kink, man. It's just another part of the costume. None of it's real. Um, and none of it is real, for the record. A wolf in a Confederate flag bikini is not the same as a Confederate flag in real life. Uh, but I wonder if there is, like, a flattening the politics into it's just a costume that and you know all of my furriness is just a costume i don't know fully talking out of my ass spitballing i i get that i think i've mentioned this before but robert evans who's one of my favorite indie reporters um did a series called the eternal fascist and um he talked about Umberto Echo's or fascism and he added one extra tenet which was humor mm. as a way that fascism spreads and it's a good first step it is like it's it's essentially trolling yeah well and back in the early meme days of like 4chan and 8chan that's how a lot of people got radicalized was mm-hmm. just conservative memes they saw a funny meme and that led to another meme that led to another meme, and all of a sudden, they're alt-right now. <laughs> and you don't see it snowballing. Yeah, see, the thing is, for me, is, like, I would see, like, an edgy meme as a kid. You know, something that's, like, har-har, like, uh, oh, like, uh, a big thing on 4chan back in the day was, like, woman, get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and the thing about the internet is that I would read that joke... And I would be like, haha, it's funny, because that's what a misogynist would say. And we are, we are joking, we are making fun of the caricature of a misogynist by saying some dumb shit that they would say. And maybe they were. Like, again, maybe I would read a post and the person who posted it fully did it in that spirit of like, Haha, women can't be on the internet. Get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Because there was a very early joke on 4chan that girls didn't exist on the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, That's hard to explain now. (laughs) And so if someone was on 4chan saying they were a girl, they would be asked to show their tits and told to get back in the kitchen. And so at the time, again, because I could get the humor in that because I was a girl on the internet and I was rare. None of my friends really liked hanging out on the internet. Like, yeah. it didn't appeal to them in the days before Facebook and stuff. Like, again, it was weird to be hanging out on the internet um, in the pre-Facebook days. And so when someone would say, like, would make a joke like that, like, you know, get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich, I'd be like, ha ha, it is funny. It is a rarity that women would be on the internet. It's a rarity that they would be talking about dumb shit on 4chan and this person is drawing attention to this kind of joke of what, like, a misogynist loser dude bro would say. Ha ha. And maybe that's, ha, ha. maybe that's what the poster means. I don't know. See, that's the thing. But then another person in a different computer screen can look at that exact same get back in the kitchen joke and be like, yes, mm-hmm. that's what women should do. 
And so the problem is when uh, when your speech is text on a screen, it's a little bit removed from your original intent because things like tone and a context and even your reaction are lost. Like, I don't know, Kelty and I make jokes like that to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and if I was like, hey, Kelty, get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. And one of our friends was like, ha ha, yes, women. <laughs> I would be mad at them. You know? <laughs> I would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of my house. Like, who are you? That's Who's not acceptable. I am allowed to make that joke at Kelty. You're not allowed to think that I'm serious. Or we're at least not going to remain friends if you think I am serious. Mm-hmm. But that's lost when you post something on the internet, especially in a quasi-anonymous or totally anonymous uh, board. I think if there is a small takeaway that the furry community should have is to, instead of saying that this is the 0.01% of our community, is admit that maybe your community has a small portion of it that is larger than (laughs) 0.01% and address that problem before it becomes a raging inferno and it is suddenly a norm to have furry shooters. (laughs) Because Jesus fucking Christ... The problem is, is that communities like this don't have, like, a top-down hierarchy. Like, there's no president, there's no president of the furries we can go to and be like, we have to have a meeting. Like, this can't be allowed to continue. But they do have such a community that I imagine that if, in an ideal situation, an ideal world, in Mm. Bliss's ideal world, they would be able to communicate via message boards, conventions, and start some sort of grassroots anti-fascist movement amongst themselves. The problem with communities like this, though, is that you just go to a different board. You just you just make a different Furcadia account. You just make a different Twitter, you know? And yeah. it's hard. Like, it's hard to police this kind of behavior when you are an anti-hierarchical community. Like it's I don't true. I don't wanna blame I don't wanna blame furries at all because reports are that they tried to they tried yeah. to get people yeah. uh like I can't even be like tell someone when someone's being, you know, a crazy murderer. <laughs> and like apparently they did, no one gave a fuck. Yep. So So if anything, furries it's a little furries were there, man. Yeah, furries like they were already trying to police uh their own community and it was the actual police that failed. I don't know what else you can do after like We need better cops. I mean, yes, obviously. We need we need police reform is the mm-hmm. is the conclusion our fandom podcast has arrived at yet again (laughs) not for the first time weird how that keeps happening man i want to talk about pokemon can we we go back to pokemon we talked about the thing yeah we talked about the thing i guess uh this was heavy this was a downer a woman died um what is our happy there's a woman died uh i don't know i don't want to not i don't want to Moment of silence. I, I no, I don't want to have a fucking moment of silence. I just I want to acknowledge that a woman died, and it is bigger than our stupid fandom podcast, but it is related to our stupid fandom podcast uh, by nature of the fact that her murderer was a furry. But uh, all I want to say is that's terrible, mm-hmm. and we need police reform in America and throughout the world, and uh, we should have a happy. Yeah, we need some happies. Bliss. I got a bottle of Martha Stewart wine. Is it oh, good? Is it Yay! a good wine? It is. 19 Crimes came out with um, a Martha Stewart edition, a Chardonnay, and it is delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the very tacky thing and drinking it with ice cubes, but Martha Stewart said on the Stephen Colbert show very that tacky. that's allowed. <laughs> I know. She did say that. Only white wine, I guess. It's it's gonna be red next, and my dad's oh, head's gonna God. pop I can't off his drink shoulders. Cold red. I don't think. Yeah, my cold dad... red wine would be weird. How does it compare to the Snoop Dogg wine? I love the Snoop Dogg wine. That's honestly one of my favorite wines, and I'm not a big red blend fan, but mm-hmm. I personally like reds more than I like whites. So if I had to pick one, I'd pick mm-hmm. the Snoop over the Martha. But I very much enjoy the Chardonnay. So 
Yay! I was very excited when they announced it. I'm glad! That's so cute! <laughs> what about you, babe? Uh, my happy was that I finally watched Encanto. Aww! Yeah. I really liked it. I was avoiding it for a while because there was so much hype around it, but I actually quite liked it. Um, it was one of the better Disney movies that I've seen in, like, I'm gonna say, like, five or six, seven years. I totally get why all of the ex-Tumblr girls are absolutely, like, creaming their jeans over Bruno. Um, he's, he's a sad, broken, uh, boy that they can fix. It's weird to me because, like, I saw a whole bunch of GIFs and screen caps before I ever heard anything from the movie. So I was not expecting John Leguizamo's voice to come out of this character. Um, it worked. It just wasn't what like was in my head. But yes, I really liked it. Uh, I thought the music was good. Um, I thought the animation was beautiful. Uh, I liked that it was a a non princess Disney movie, but still like still a fairy tale and still magical. Yeah, still still a magical kind of musical. Just not about a goddamn princess for for a change. And yeah. Uh, I I liked it start to finish. Vaguely related, actually, to uh, getting Kendra to watch Encanto. I had completely ditched my Duolingo because I was learning Italian, and then it was too hard, and I didn't care anymore because it was too much like French, and I was like, fuck it, this is too difficult. But then I just randomly decided, not randomly, kind of... Attached to Encanto. Inspired by Encanto. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, we could just, I could learn Spanish. Because I did, I did uh, three and a half years of Spanish in high school. And I grew up in Texas. So I know a lot of Spanish. And so I started Spanish actually while Bliss was here. But I am just blowing right through it. 30 day streak. Killing it. I've been number one on multiple fucking letterboards. I'm very excited. I am awesome. I'm very Don't excited. Don't ask me to speak it. <laughs> yeah. It's also nice because, yeah, we, you were doing Duolingo for a while and then we stopped due to personal tragedy mm-hmm. and I'm happy that you have picked it back up. Yeah. And now Yay! I'm going to have somebody I can speak Spanish don't, with. Don't make fun of my accent. I'm going to 100% make fun of your accent. <laughs> Rude. <sighs> well then, yay. I'm glad that we all had a happy. I'm sorry this week was a bit of a bummer. Next week we will come with something more fun. I swear. Stupid and in <sighs> inconsequential Hopefully. fandom bullshit. Um, Jesus. But yeah. Hope so. Until next time, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Blissfully Show. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, hello, give us a like, a comment, subscribe, click on another one of our videos. That'd be super. The algorithm mm-hmm. loves that. That's the best thing that you can do for YouTube. And then, yeah, until next time. Bye! Bye bye! Bye! Your opinion is incorrect. Excuse you, this podcast is named after me.